Welcome to Great Loop Radio, brought to you by America's Great Loop Cruisers Association. We're dedicated to sharing Great Loop information and inspiration with those actively cruising, planning for, or dreaming about a Great Loop adventure. I'm Kim Russo. I'm the director of AGLCA. Today, we're continuing our monthly series on the story of our loop, and we've got some of our long-term gold loopers, Ron and Jan Matuskar, are joining us to tell the story of their Great Loop. Before we jump in, I do want to take a moment to recognize and thank our Admiral sponsors who support AGLCA at the highest level. They are Curtis Stokes and Associates, Passage Maker Trawler Fest, Skipper Bob Publications, and Waterway Guide Media. As always, we encourage our listeners and viewers to support these businesses that support the Great Loop. And with that out of the way, Ron and Jan Matuska, great to see you. Thanks for being here. Morning. Morning. Yeah, you've, you've been active with AGLCA for quite some time, and um, we want to hear all about your Great Loop. So let's start with what made you decide initially to do the Great Loop? Uh, it was just an extension of our previous adventures. We, we, we've traveled different ways along the years. We've done kayak trips and lots of bicycle trips and canoe trips and uh, as we got older, we were looking for another way to travel, and that led us to boating. Right. And you were boaters for some time before you did the loop, correct? Uh, about 10 years. Uh, yeah. The loop was always in the back of our minds, especially mine, uh, until we actually did the loop. We didn't do any real planning, though, mm -hmm. until we started. Yeah. So tell us, you know, kind of a little bit of the, the facts, I guess, about your loop. When did you loop? And what kind of boat did you loop aboard? Uh, we've got a 34 Nordic tug that we mm -hmm. bought new. This is our second boat, by the way. We previously had a 26 Nordic tug. Um, we traded that in for the, a new 34. Uh, and we picked that up in Traverse City in, in August of uh, 2011 uh, with the intention of just bringing the boat home to the Ivy Club in, in Peoria Heights and storing it for the winter and maybe going next year. Uh, by the time we came down Lake Michigan and brought it home, uh, we decided to leave as soon as possible. <laughs> yeah. So we, we spent the month of September. And so we took off uh, the end of September in 2011. Uh -huh. And so we always encourage people to become familiar with their boat and have some some experience. You chose not to do that, but this was a, a kind of an upsize of the same boat brand. Your 10 years boating experience. Um, was it a tough choice to say, you know, we haven't finished what we thought would be our planning, but let's just go ahead and, and keep going as we're passing our home of the Ivy Club? Ron is much braver than I am. He's the adventurer <laughs> and I just go along. So uh, he thought we could do it. Off we went. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like you mentioned, we were, we had, we were experienced boaters. We've been on Lake Michigan. Uh, we had done the Mississippi River. Uh, we had taken our, our uh, 26 boat bound down to uh, uh, the Texas Gulf. So it wasn't as if we were new boaters. Yeah. So you upgraded from, I think you said a Nordic Tug 26 to a 34 before doing the loop. What is it that you really love about the Nordic Tug and what made you decide that stepping up a little bit in size was the right choice for you for your loop? 
Well, it's just it's a little bit more roomy than the 26, of course, and mm -hmm. all the systems were better designed. It was a much older, uh, the 26 was much older, uh, older technology as far as the air conditioning system, the generator, all those kinds of things. Uh, the Nordic Tug was just well built, roomy, easy to maneuver, easier to dock, uh, doors on both sides, so it made getting to uh, the lock lines or tying up to, to, to docks much easier. We were told to get the smallest boat you were comfortable with. And I know people are doing the loop in much, much larger boats now, but we managed very well without problem. And we have a pretty good sized dock. The, the only negative in a, that small a boat is we are not very accommodating hosts for large dock tips. <laughs> well, and you know, it all that's just depends negative. on the boat design because we're on a, a boat that's a little bit bigger than that. Ours is a 41, and there's still no place to accommodate many for docktails. So I, I think it just <laughs> depends on the boat. But you know, over over the course of time, and even you know, since you looped, um, the size, the average size of the looper boat has stayed pretty consistent at 40 feet. So oh, I know it's... that there are lots of bigger ones out there, but I think that's being offset. Buy a lot of the Nordic tugs and the Ranger tugs, and we're out here, and there are lots of the smaller tugs that you know people are just loving, as you said, the maneuverability, the um, easier for locking and docking, and things like that. I think there were four or five um, Ranger tugs in the twenty-something range here with us uh, last night. A few left today, and a few are still here. But um, you know, I, I think yes, we are seeing some fifty and sixty-footers, but I think it's being offset on that average by. Um, some of those smaller tugs that, you know, also have that, and, and probably not the 34, you can answer this actually. At what size on the Nordic tugs does it become um, not so easy to trailer it to someplace? Okay, I want to add one thing. Since yeah, you're, in, you're, you're in Alton, mm -hmm. Alton was our uh, first major stop. We had stopped in, uh, I think when we came down first time, we stopped in Havana and at Mills, and then we went to Alton. Mm -hmm. But at that point, we did not belong to the AGLCA. Mm -hmm. We we were not, I am not a joiner. Mm -hmm. I, I tend to be a loner. And, uh, but there we met Jerry Reeves. Mm -hmm. And and Jerry kind of um, proctored us through the next few days. And uh, he, we, we voted together all the way down to uh, the, the, the rendezvous which mm -hmm. at that point, when we were in Alton, we weren't going to the rendezvous. We weren't members. Yeah. But he, he talked us into going to the rendezvous and it was a, it was a great decision. Best thing we ever did. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's great to hear that. And um, so, yeah, our, the rendezvous is coming up actually at a brand new facility. So that's, that's kind of um, making things a little bit exciting <laughs> for us out here. But yes, yeah, so we are in Alton. They, um, Alton Marine is an AGLCA sponsor and we appreciate them. Just before that, we were in Grafton, which is an AGLCA sponsor. And just before that, we were at your home port of the Ivy Club, which is another AGLCA sponsor. And these are great facilities here on the river system. Um, you know, we just came down the Illinois and uh, Grafton is right where we joined the Mississippi. So here we are on the Mississippi River getting ready to continue the journey. So it's it's really exciting. And I've learned so much over the years from the long-term members who have given back, like the two of you, like uh, Jerry and Jenny Reeves. Um, so it's a lot of fun for me to really be out here. And um, so tell us, you know, you did the loop back, you left in 2011. 
Um, oh, and I did it before we move on kind of from the boat. Is the 34 um, Nordic Tug trailerable or would you have to no. downsize? Well, okay. no, I, I can't say no. With, with the right equipment, you can. There's a couple of Nordic Tug owners who do have trailers and mm -hmm. but it's it's a larger boat that requires full permitting yeah uh, for wide loads and all that um uh but very few 34s are trailers yeah well and, and now that i've been out here doing this i can certainly see the attraction to some of the trailerable boats to more easily and quickly get back to the places you want to do more exploring uh, which is why I had that. that was kind of a personal question as we look at what's next. Um, first, we've got to finish this loop. Um, but so you started in 2011. Kind of walk us through, you know, the time frame um, of your loop. How fast did you move? Did you continuously loop, or did you have some extended stops? Okay. Well, our, our we continuously moved for the for the until uh, the holidays and where where we were in Florida. Uh, had had good times when took the side trip up to Chattanooga, uh, spent some time Mobile Bay, we were Mobile Bay for Thanksgiving, uh, got to Florida mid-December, I got to the mainland Florida mid-December, um, and uh, we were in Dunedin uh, visiting uh, my wife's best friend, Jan's best friend, and within a month, we had decided to move to Dunedin, so this led to the first major change on the loop uh, that put us, you know, by the time we moved everything, put our house on the market uh, back in uh, Illinois, uh, we were behind all the other loopers at this point. So this, we didn't get to leave our new home until March, uh, which was fairly late because we're on the West Coast. So then we headed up the East Coast uh, again behind everybody, but that led to some good times. Uh, we wound up in Charleston for uh, Spoleto. Uh, Spoleto. Uh, you can talk everybody, tell everybody about that. Yeah, it's a wonderful uh, arts festival in Charleston uh, in uh, late, so we, uh, right early, early May. May, I guess, every year. Yeah, into May, it, into yeah. May mm -hmm. And then we were in DC, um, spent a week at the Capitol Yacht Club got to meet an admiral of the uh, Atlantic fleet, uh, got to be in front of the Supreme Court when Affordable Care Act was uh, uh, voted on, uh, so. Uh, and then, uh, then we went on to uh, Long Island Sound. We, again, we're behind everybody, so we're making, we're adjusting our plans as we go. Uh, so we're decided not to try to push on to, um, Canada, Erie Canal. And so we spent the rest of the summer on, on uh, Long Island Sound. Had a great time, uh, met up with uh, people we crossed uh, the Gulf with, Joe Apicella, stayed on his dock, stayed on his dock uh, in Massachusetts, went out to Nantucket, uh, went to a Nordic Tug rendezvous. Uh, so we had a great time on Long Island Sound. And then yeah. back to New Jersey where we stored the boat. Stored yeah. it there for the for the winter of 2012, just in yeah. time for Sandy. Ah, <laughs> and we'll, we can, we'll talk about that in a second, but I want to point out one of the things I love about your story is, um, first of all, you moved your, your dirt home, but then continued looping. A lot of people would have just said, let's just stay in Dunedin for a while. So I love that you decided to keep going. 
Um, but beyond that, you know, the flexibility in the schedule, um, the ability to stay in Charleston for something like Spoleto, which is a, you know, a couple of weeks long festival. Um, Washington, D.C. is a great side trip that I am very sad we missed because of being weathered in. Um, we had planned, I had business in D.C. and we had planned to take the boat up after the spring rendezvous and then couldn't. So I drove to D.C. Um, and Long Island Sound is a, an area that many loopers never get to do. So one of your choices that made all that possible was deciding to store the boat for the winter. Had you not, um, you would have you know, been rushing to get through the canals into Canada, through Canada, and back in out the other side to warmer weather. Um, and I am seeing more and more loopers make that kind of choice because they're realizing that some of the greatest cruising grounds on the Great Loop are along the Great Lakes and the canals. So um, we actually did a recent episode of the podcast on storing the boat for the winter and it, it extends the cruising by so much because you can be one of the last ones to go into that storage in the fall and one of the first ones out in the spring and, and get a whole season on the Great Lakes. So you stored in, in New Jersey. Did you have any impacts from Sandy? Did the facility where you were, did they have uh, any damage? Just, just minor. We, we were fortunate in the marina. We picked to store it, uh, which was Viking uh, Yachting Center, which is up, uh, uh, I think it's Little Egg Inlet, mm -hmm. uh, up the Mullica River and the Bass River. It's where all those big Vikings are built. Mm -hmm. uh, water came into the storage yard. Uh, bottom of the hull got wet. A uh, couple of their uh, houseboats floated away, but they had no major damage at that marina, given that they were so far up the river. Right. So uh, that was for the winter of 2012. When did you yes. uh, come back and resume the loop, and where did you go from there? Uh, we resumed the loop, I guess it was in June, May or June. Mm -hmm. I don't remember exactly. Mm -hmm. And just, just headed north up the Hudson. Uh, you know, stopped at the Statue of Liberty, anchored behind the Statue of Liberty. Uh, before that, we were at Great Kills, of course. Mm -hmm. uh, Great Kills was, was interesting because they had, their, their whole hybrid was totally destroyed. Every everything in great kills was was knocked wow. over but that private club were up and running by that summer wow I mean, that's amazing it's a member supported uh yacht club and it's so it's a great place to go yeah so we went up the hudson uh lots of storms and hurricanes flooded the uh, the hudson river valley the mohawk river valley the erie canal was closed so we became what was known, what we called the Kingston hostages. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and this was a group of about a dozen boats or so that, and so we were stuck in uh, Kingston, couldn't really go anywhere for, for over a week, close to two weeks. Mm -hmm. But we still are friends with many of those people. Yeah. And it's actually stories like that. You know, we had uh, that group, um, you know, there's been other closures like that most of the times due to flooding but sometimes due to other things um you know that i love to use as examples uh, we had several years where there weren't any major delays like that at least not unplanned ones um and of course this year where there were a few um and you know some of the loopers who did experience long closures unplanned um really kind of set set the tone for that because most of you 
um, look back at that, even though at the time it was stressful and inconvenient and um, probably quite frustrating, it's one of the times you look back at. Um, and as you said, you're still friends with some of those people. And um, you had mentioned that was one of the unexpected things about the loop. You did say that you're kind of not a joiner. Um, but, you know, talk about some of the, the friends you met and the relationships that you made along the way. I'm the joiner. <laughs> <laughs> but we had a great time all along. I mean, I think it's just conducive. You see the people repeatedly along the waterway. So you become slowly become friends. And it's not like joining a new group. It's like your group of friends are going with you. Right. Yeah, it's, it's definitely part of the fun. Let's take a, a break and play a message from one of our sponsors. When we come back, I want to um, talk a little bit about kind of the, your cruising style, because everybody has their own preferences on how fast they travel, how many days a week they travel, that kind of thing. Um, so we want to hear how you went about that on your loop. So um, we'll cover that when we come back. And we'll be back in a moment. This is a message from Captain Scott A. Wally. Hello, fellow loopers. S.A. Wally Marine Services is new to AGLCA, however, not to boating nor the boating community. Very few people have the opportunity to experience the Great Loop. In doing so, the time may come where some guidance and or assistance is needed. This may be in the form of either travel or technical support. My goal as a seasoned captain and AGLCA sponsor is to be there for fellow boaters, as we are all shipmates in this exciting adventure. Signed, Captain Scott A. Wally of S.A. Wally Marine Services. We're back on Great Loop Radio. Today we're talking with Ron and Jan Matuska. They are gold loopers who crossed their wake about 10 years ago and uh, are sharing the story of their Great Loop. So Ron and Jan, we kind of left off. We wanted to chat a little bit about, you know, your cruise, I call them cruising preferences, you know, anchorages versus marinas, how fast, how many miles a day. Tell us a little bit about those, you know, those numbers, if you will. I like, I like to cruise that at a rate that gets me about four miles to the gallon. I am envious. That, that's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's that's the sweet spot. I like to, I watch the, the, the flow, flow rate on the fuel and like to keep it about at that rate. We usually covered um, 50 miles or so a day. I, I think the first year of, of looping, our average was between 50 and 60. Um, but as the years progressed, as the loop progressed, I think that number went down considerably mm -hmm. to where we were doing 35 to 40 miles a day, just mm -hmm. because we wanted to stop and visit and see places and see things. Uh, we tend to go to marinas more, only we have a dog and it just makes life a little bit simpler. And the whole point of the loop to us was meeting places and having new experiences. While we enjoy anchoring, um, you don't get to do that as much. Right. So you mentioned, um, you know, kind of your sweet spot was um, four miles to the gallon. Tell us, you know, um, we know it's a Nordic Tug 34. Tell us about the engine, you know, what kind of, um, what kind of speed were you getting at that four miles to gallon? And, and just so other, you know, that's obviously a big issue right now with fuel prices high. So everybody wants to know you're getting four miles to the gallon. How are you doing it? What are the engine specs? That kind of thing. Well, first of all, when we did the loop back in 2011, 2012, fuel prices were pretty high then too. Mm -hmm. So if you, if you did, as far, if you just went by inflation, they're not too much 
different today. A little bit higher, but but taking inflation into consideration. Yeah, that's a great bad. point so, and a great reminder because a lot of people kind of forget yeah. that because we did have some years in between where it was much lower. So thanks for reminding us of that. Go ahead. <laughs> We've got just a six-cylinder diesel. It's a Cummins Mercruiser QSD engine. Uh, overpowered, I would say, mm -hmm. 270 horsepower. You don't really need that in the trawler type speeds, but uh, there were a couple of times where we I did uh, put the throttle all the way forward just to see what it would do. Or beat mm -hmm. a storm out of, you know, just try to hurry a little bit. Mm -hmm. To make a lock opening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, what was kind of your typical cruising speed when you were getting the four um, gallons, four miles a gallon? Oh, and when you really 10. pushed it forward, what, you know, how fast could she do? Eight to 10 miles an hour. Mm -hmm. I, ne I never use knots. I don't know why people use knots mm -hmm. because the, everything is measured. Almost everything on the inland waterways is statute miles. Um, so you know, speed limits are posted in miles per hour, not, not in nautical miles per hour. Yep. So we don't use knots. And most loopers do not. Um, I think many who do are um, military. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, Navy trains you apparently on knots. Um, and I think probably air, you know, anyway, some boats use knots. We are one of them. And when I questioned that, because it confuses me because you're right, most is measured in statute miles. Michael's answer is I can't change it while I was in the Navy. <laughs> Everything was knots. So I adapt. <laughs> um, so what are some of the, you know, you mentioned some of the highlights, you mentioned, you know, the people you met, you mentioned um, Toledo and Charleston and, and the Capital Yacht Club. Um, what are some of the other highlights of your journey? Canada. We thought Canada was yeah. fabulous. Yeah. Mm -hmm. one, of, one of our side trips was going to Quebec City. Yeah, that was, about that. No, I, that was not on the original plan. When, when, even when we left Kingston, we weren't sure whether we were going the Erie Canal, Oswego route, or Lake Champlain route. Mm -hmm. uh, well, that decision was made for us because uh, Erie Canal wasn't open yet, so we went the uh, Champlain route. Mm -hmm. And as we got closer and we had a, a buddy boat with us, someone we just met, mm -hmm. um, we, we decided to make that side trip to Quebec City. And that, that was a great experience. Yeah. And Jen, you really, really quickly said Canada. What were some of, you know, what was it about Canada um, that made it a highlight for you? Can you repeat that? You're breaking up a little. Sure. Sorry about that. Uh, the question was for Jan, actually. Um, Jan, you pretty quickly said um, Canada was a highlight for you. What about Canada made it such a special time for you? We loved Ottawa. Ottawa had some um, military... Um, celebrations going on and so we spent quite a lot of time there we've done the Rideau three times um, because we loved it so much so um, just and we did Thousand Islands there were just so many places that we enjoyed uh -huh. St. Anne no. de Bellevue uh -huh. one of the things that uh, we asked about kind of in the pre-interview for this um, is what did you gain from doing the loop? And we've talked about some of the things that you mentioned, but one thing that you listed um, that I loved was self-confidence. Tell us about that. You know, you gained self-confidence on the loop. Well, anytime you can complete something new that you hadn't done before, uh, it, 
would naturally give you self-confidence. Yeah. It's sort of a test. It pushes you a bit. It's a test of what you're capable of. Yeah. And I, I love that. And um, it, it's for, for many of us, it's living outside the, your comfort zone <laughs> for a little bit. Um, but yeah, that does build confidence. I agree with you there. And it's something um, that I think uh, probably is unexpected for people. Um, yeah. Well, even new boats break down from time to time and being able mm -hmm. to deal with that situation um, just using your own tools and your own spare parts uh, adds to the self-confidence. Yeah, absolutely. It's part of what makes it such an accomplishment to finish the loop. So um, as seasoned veterans of the loop, what kind of advice would you give to people who are just contemplating this and, and thinking, you know, trying to decide if it's for them and, and how, you know, if they've already decided they're doing it, um, what advice do you have? say don't over plan it because it's not going to work <laughs> <laughs> you you just have to have some flexibility and hopefully if the two of you or multiple people are on a boat they all get along because that's pretty important yeah absolutely yeah what about you, Ron? Uh, anything to add? you can't you, over planning you just can't do it you know well you can do it but you just lose so much opportunity to take a different path Right. Uh, we rarely had uh, marina reservations. Sometimes you have to, uh, you know, Capital Yacht Club, they, they get booked up pretty fast. A couple other places like that, you need to plan ahead. Uh, sometimes you have to sat be satisfied with less than perfect uh, marinas. Uh, but you know, just don't, don't plan every day. Watch the weather. There were a couple times we didn't. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah, that's, great know, advice that's too. pretty important. <laughs> yeah. So um, as we wrap up, we can, of course, see the Great Loop cruise routes map behind you, um, which uh, is available at greatloop.com for anybody who's looking for that. But the other thing of note behind you um, that we can see just over your shoulder there, Jan, is a sketch of your boat. So, and actually a picture of your boat now that Ron moved a little bit, we see that too, but um, tell us about the sketch because it's absolutely beautiful. This, well, the, the pencil sketch is done by the bartender at the Ivy Club. Mm -hmm. On the Illinois River. Uh, yeah, and that's just something he did on his own and said here. Yeah, and I, I, and I love that. Um, we were, as I mentioned, we were there probably less than a week ago. <laughs> Sometimes it's hard to remember how fast we've been moving, but I, was, I think less than a week ago we were at Ivy Club and um, another boat we were there with showed us uh, a sketch, a pencil sketch that Steve had also done for them the previous year and they're going around again and we're back. And I was just stunned by the beauty of it, um, how well done. Um, and they were just so thankful that he had done that for them last year. Um, because they weren't staying long term, you know, you were at Ivy Club for quite a while, but it was something he did for them and is really meaningful to them. And um, so shout out to him and the Ivy Club. It was a great, great spot to be and, and thank them for their AGLCA sponsorship. But I think that's also an example of the type of kindness and people going out of their way uh, for others that we see on the loop. So I love that you have that hanging there. Um, any final thoughts, anything I haven't asked about that you would love for others to know about your loop story? Well, you never really asked about finishing the loop. You know, that's a very <laughs> that's a, good point. I did not. So tell <laughs> us about that. <laughs> that, that we, 
that that particular season, uh, 2012, 2013, we winter stored again, uh, this time in Brewerton, New York. Was it at Brewerton, New York? Yeah. No, yeah. we we winter stored in Brewerton, not at Winter mm -hmm. Harbor, at a at another facility there, mm -hmm. um, just because our own personal timing, and we had to come back a third year and, and start again. Uh, so we didn't actually finish the loop until 2014 mm -hmm. uh, when we crossed our, our wake and uh, Traverse Bay. Uh, but then we went out and stored our boat in next winter in Peoria again. Mm -hmm. And then so. did you eventually bring it to Dunedin? No, we, we, are, <laughs> we are one third of the loop away from being platinum loop. We never... <laughs> did the river section a second time. After mm -hmm. Peoria, we reversed and did a counter, did a clockwise return to Florida. Ah, gotcha. Okay, how was the clockwise return? I'm sure that that was um, a different adventure. You see fewer people that way. Yeah, You, you of meet course. some, but it's really, you're not enjoying the camaraderie. Yeah. yeah, and of course you did say your boat is a little bit perhaps overpowered. So going against the river current probably was not much of an issue. And you were also starting from Peoria, not somewhere on the Mississippi. Um, I might mention uh, yeah. that we barely got out of, of Peoria that last year. Mm -hmm. um, right as we were in a marina, the South Shore Yacht Club, the river came up two feet that night. Wow. And, the and the next night, the river was closed down because of flooding. So you can expect flooding on the Illinois River any, any time of the year, not yeah. just not just in the spring. Yeah, and so when uh, uh, Jan added the advice to you know keep an eye on the weather, that pertains, you know, when we're talking about this trip, weather includes water conditions and water depth and um, rising water and things like that. So great advice, especially there are a lot of looper boats on the river system right now and the water is generally low, but that can always change. So good reminder for everyone to keep an eye on that. Um, Ron and Jan Matuska, it's been a pleasure having you with us. Thank you for giving us your time and sharing your story. I think you've inspired um, a lot of others who are interested in this trip. So thank you for sharing. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah, and thanks to everyone who's watched and listened today. Enjoy we'll all. Be back. Yep, thank you. We'll be back next week with another episode of Great Loop Radio. Until then, stay cruising. Mm -hmm.